Hey, hey, hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 56 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, folks. Hope you had a great week. I had a great week. I can't wait to tell you all about it in this intro. I'm doing real well right now. I'm coming at you live right now from Pike and Rose once again. Uh, You guys might remember I recorded the bonus episode here last week. I am back here again. Uh, I have today off, and I figured today would be a good day to come record a podcast at my favorite spot in the DMV, my favorite chill spot in the DMV, and that would be Pike and Rose in Rockville, Maryland. So I will be recording the episode here. That's why if it sounds like you hear some cars going by, if you hear people power washing or whatever, uh, that's what the noise will be. But I, So I am recording outside, but... You know, I'm I'm just happy to be doing an episode. I'm sorry for the lack of a Monday episode this week, folks. You know, I hate not doing Monday episodes, but um, I feel like we are going to have to go back to one episode a week now, considering my work schedule. I'm going to be working most Mondays, so uh, I'm just not going to have the time for it on Mondays anymore. So I think we're going to go back to one episode a week now. But it's all worth it, folks, because i got to tell you about this my new job uh, and how awesome it's been. Uh, first off, let me give you the rundown of today's episode. We're going to talk Yankees, of course. Took two out of three from the Royals. I'll recap the A's series a little bit briefly, too, because we didn't do a Monday episode. I'll just briefly go in uh, to the last last, uh, three games of those series. And then uh, we'll recap the Kansas City series. Yankees took two out of three in both of those series. Uh, They play the Red Sox this weekend at Fenway. First trip to Fenway this weekend for the boys. Um, We'll see how that goes. We'll preview all that in the Yankees segment. We're going to talk... We're also going to talk about um, this whole sticky stuff nonsense and the cracking down uh, and what we've seen across baseball over (laughs) the last couple of days, the ridiculousness. I don't want to tip my hand on how I feel about this, but I think you guys know how I feel, honestly, (laughs) about all this this, this crackdown on sticky stuff and everything. I think you know how I feel about it, Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about a certain incident involving uh, Max Scherzer and a certain former Yankee manager as well. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs today as well. Uh, I-, I watched uh, Game 3 of the Suns-Clippers series last night with uh, Michael Edgley and Adrian Rutherford, my new co-worker. Uh, and we- we'll talk about that. Uh, and, of course, the Hawks winning Game 1 of the Bucks series. Trey Young was amazing. We'll talk about all that as well. We'll talk NHL playoffs. We've got a Game 7 tonight in Tampa, folks. Islanders Lightning. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, how about that? Oh, how about that Game 6, man? That was awesome. That was an incredible game. Um, and I'll talk about that as well. Um, yeah, we got a loaded episode for you guys today. A lot to talk about. Uh, maybe a couple outro stories as well, if I can find anything that really sticks out to me this week. Um, but, yeah, uh, I just want to talk about my new job. Uh, how, how much I freaking love this job. Look, I have never had a first week of work like this in my life, guys. I have never had, I, I've, I don't think I've ever had a job where I've actually like looked forward to going into work every day. I love my new job at the International Spy Museum. Like I legitimately love my, basically, I don't know if you guys saw my Facebook post about it, but basically my main job is to greet people, help people, find stuff around the store, and be nice to them, which is easy. Like, uh, for me at least, it's easy. I, I, I love being nice to people. I love helping people. So it's, an, it's a natural, easy fit. And look, the museum is amazing. 
I have been to every museum in D.C. since I've lived here. I've been to the Air and Space Museum, Natural History, uh, National, National Gallery, of course. I have been to all of them, but I have never quite been to a museum like the International Spy Museum. I don't think I've ever been. It, it's the most like, incredible, fun museum you could possibly go to. It's a totally different from any other museum in D.C., and I just I cannot recommend it enough. If you are in D.C., please come to the International Spy Museum. Please come to the International Spy Museum. And when you're done, please visit me in the spy store. Um, I'll be in there. I'll be there to help you with anything you need, help you find T-shirts, mugs, shot glasses, books, whatever you need, I'll be there to help you. So I, I highly encourage you to come visit the Spy Museum. Everybody who works there, the best part about this job for me is that everybody who works there is extremely friendly. I have not encountered one negative person yet. Everybody is very nice, very friendly, and I absolutely love it. Um, some highlights. Um, I would say, uh, well, I posted about this on Facebook. I was able to help uh, reunite a lost child uh, which I, on my second day. I was like... All of a sudden, I'm, I'm just like greeting people as they come into the store, and all of a sudden, this this woman comes down. And she's like, "This child's lost," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" So I, I had to find my manager, and then we found security, and we were able to reunite the lost child with their family. And um, I give the the kid was not panicked at all. The kid knew he was going to find his family. So in that situation, sometimes the kids can get really scared, but this kid was really calm, and I was really impressed. Um, we were able to reunite him with his family. Um, some other highlights, we've had a lot of sports fans come into the store, which has been nice, which makes for easy conversation for me. Like I said, you guys know how, obviously, I'm a huge sports fan, and I know every sport under the sun. For example, we had a, a guy come in wearing an Austin FC hat the other day, and he was shocked I recognized this hat. You're like, he was like, wow, you know what Austin FC is? And I was like, yeah, dude, of course I know what Austin FC is. And, and, it was, and I was able to help him find stuff as well. I was able to help, I was like, I saw a Cowboys fan come into the store, and I told him, I was like, I'll help you, but I'll let you know, at least my team's won two Super Bowls this millennium, and he laughed, and I was able to help him find some more spy stuff, and probably the highlight, I don't know, I don't know if this is necessarily a highlight, but one of my, one of my favorite moments so far has been, um, uh, there, so there's, um, there's a book in the store that I've been trying to sell my first couple days here. Uh, I've been trying to get people to buy it. It's called The Catcher Was a Spy. It's about Mo Berg. He was a, he was a baseball player in the 1930s and 40s. Um, he wasn't a very good baseball player. However, he was, he was had a brilliant mind. And um, the, U, the CIA used him as a spy. The ba Major League Baseball went on an international trip to Japan in the late 1930s, right before World War II. And it was your usual, like, they had, like, basically every big name under the sun went on this trip. And Mo Berg. And everyone was like, what the hell is Mo Berg doing on this trip? Turns out Mo Berg was a spy for the CIA. He was trying to get Japanese secrets. So this book is about that. It's about Mo Berg's life. The, story, the book's called The Catcher Was a Spy. I've been trying to sell this book in our store for the, la for the last five days. Finally, somebody came in and I was like, can you help me find a book? And I'm like, well, are you a baseball fan? He's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, then I've got the book for you, my friend. And uh, I was able to sell him on this book. And um, my favorite part of my favorite uh, Mo Berg line is that um, they said he spoke 12 different languages, but he couldn't hit in any of them. Uh, I love that. Look, guys, I just love this job. I'm so happy I have a job that I actually like for once. And um, it's really refreshing. And again, please come visit the International Spy Museum. Um, it's amazing. 
I have 10 free tickets for the year as part of my um, employ as part of being an employee there. So first come, first serve. You want to come visit me in the International Spy Museum? I will hook you up with tickets. But bear in mind, I only have 10 for the year, and I'm already saving two for when my sister Elizabeth comes to town in August. So. Yeah, I love this job, guys. I love this job. And uh, I'm really happy that I... Um, now, I got rewarded, basically, because I don't know how the schedule worked out like this, but since last Friday, I've worked 36 hours, including my orientation, and now I have three days off in a row. Today, tomorrow, and Sunday. And then I go back on Monday. So I'm really looking forward to that. I feel like I earned this time off. I'm, um, I don't think I said this in the intro, but I'm actually currently house-sitting for Robbie Gross, um, host of Sports on the Hill podcast, of course, uh, and his, his wife, Liz, they are out of town. They're in Texas, so I've been taking care of their house. Uh, it's been nice to uh, be able to drive to work a couple days. Uh, it's, it's really been nice. So uh, I'll stop talking about how, how much I love my job and everything like that. Uh, but, yeah, guys, uh, I think I've introduced the podcast long enough. I'm really happy at work right now. Uh, I can't wait for it to go back on Monday, honestly. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a fun job, I can tell for sure. Uh, I definitely have to memorize the store a little bit better, but I do have time. I mean, I've walked around the store a thousand times already. I mean, the first day I was there, I got 33,000 steps. I mean, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I'm getting like over 20,000 steps at least every day doing this job, which is great. I love it. I love it. All right, all right, enough spy talk. Um, we, we got all kinds of cool stuff in the store. Um, the store sells itself. Let's get into the podcast. I think I've introduced the podcast long enough, folks. Uh, let's talk a little Yankees. Uh, just took two out of three against the Royals. Not the prettiest series, but um, we'll take it. You know what? We will take two out of three against the Royals going into Fenway, playing some good baseball right now. Um, let's talk about it, folks. Let's get into today's Yankees segment. Here we go. Alright folks, it's been a good week for the Yankees. Uh, I know it's a little bit old now, but I am going to very briefly recap the Oakland series. Uh, I'm going to go as fast as I can on the Oakland series, and then we'll get into the KC series, and then preview the Red Sox series. Um, okay, the first game on Friday against Oakland on um, June 18th. Uh, by the way, this is technically still Brian's Beloved, where we talk about my favorite teams and how they did this week. Unfortunately, the Yankees are the only Brian's beloved that are currently playing right now, so it's kind of hard to do a whole segment on teams I love when only one of them's playing right now. Um, but in the Oakland series, uh, Yankees lost the first game five to three. Uh, James Caprillion got the win for Oakland. Uh, he's a former Yankee farmhand, of course. He got traded for Sonny Gray, and um, I'm sure the Yankees wish they could have had that trade back because Caprillion actually I thought looked pretty nice in this game. Uh, I was impressed with him for sure. Um, in the first inning, Matt Olson hit a home run off Jamison Tyone to make it one nothing. Top of the third, they scored a second run on an Elvis Andrew or excuse me, a Mark Canna RBI single to make it two nothing. Oakland Yankees would tie it in the bottom of the third inning. They'd answer right back the machine, DJ LeMayhew, with an opposite field home run to tie it at two. Uh, that was 2-2 in the bottom of the third, and then they would take the lead actually when Rugnet Odor hit a long. Home run into the bleachers to make it 3-2. Obamas um, at that point. But Oakland, unfortunately, uh, Wandy Peralta came in 
And look, there's been a lot of debate about Wandy Peralta. Uh, a lot of people said we shouldn't have made that trade. We could really use Mike Talkman right now. Wandy Peralta has actually been pretty good since we got him, I, I would say. But um, not good in this game. Uh, he got two outs and two strikes on Tony Kemp, who's kind of a, a weak hitter, honestly. He's not a great he, – he actually did hit another home run later in this series. But uh, he hit this home run, a three-run shot to give the Oakland A's a 5-3 lead, which would ultimately prove to be the final score. Um, I'll give you Caprillion's line. Caprillion um, went five and two-thirds innings, only, only allowing three hits, striking out seven. Uh, and two of those hits were the home runs to LeMahieu and Odor. Uh, the Oakland bullpen completely shut it down from there. In fact, they only allowed one hit the rest of the way. Uh, Yankees left how many men on base they only left two men on base and you know why they only left two men on base because they only got four hits and then two of them were home runs so yeah not the best night for the yankees uh, offense not the best night for the yankees in general gj or geo rochelle hit into another double play um this was not the fun the funnest night it was also the night that yankee stadium returned to 100 percent capacity now i would like to say i don't think the yankees gave enough notice to fans that it was returning to 100 percent capacity I feel like they, they announced it on Tuesday last week, and the first game was Friday. You need to give us, like, at least a week. You gave us three days. Like, come on. There was not a ton of people there. It looked like a pandemic crowd, honestly. But um, there were more than – I would say there were more than usual, but it did look still pretty sparse, honestly. So they kept calling it reopening day, but there weren't a ton of people there. It was, it was weird, honestly. But uh, that was the uh, return to normalcy uh, moment, I guess. Wandy Peralta takes the L uh, by giving up the home run to Kemp. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the Friday game. They lost three to 5-3. to three. Uh, Let's get into the Saturday game, which they won. They came from behind and won the Saturday game. In a pretty crazy game, actually. Back and forth, for sure. Um, I'll give you the scoring summary here. Kemp started it off again with his fourth home run of the year off Domingo Herman. In the first inning, a home run to center field. And then he immediately, if I remember correctly, in the bottom of the first inning, robbed Aaron Judge of a hit, a line drive up the middle. He made a great diving play. Um, I made it one nothing. No scoring until the top of the fourth inning when Matt Chapman hit a home run to make it 2 nothing off Domingo Armand. At that point, I'm like, ah, oh, God, here we go again. Here we go again. How are the Yankees going to – we're going to lose again to Oakland. Yankees would answer back in the fourth inning – uh, Gio Urshela, start of a big day for him, uh, hit an RBI single to make it 2-1, but Oakland would answer by scoring two more runs on a Matt Olson single in the top of the fifth. Yankees would answer the red-hot Gary Sanchez. We are not done talking about Gary Sanchez in this segment, folks. Not by a long shot. Hit a home run to make it 4-2, a bomb to left field, and that uh, made it 4-2. Yankees would get a run closer. In the bottom of the seventh inning, Aaron Judge hit an RBI single that made it 4-3. And then Giancarlo tied the game with an opposite field. Ground ball single made it 4-4 with two outs in the bottom of the seventh. Yankees would break the tie in the bottom of the eighth inning. Gio Urshela hit a home run to dead center field. Like I said, this was a big day for Gio Urshela. Uh, that would break the tie, and the Yankees would break it open on a machine. Two-run single to make it 7-4. Oakland would score one run off the struggling Aroldis Chapman in the top of the ninth inning to make it 7-5, but that was it. Ball game over. Yankees win. Now we have to give love in this game. We have to give love to one guy 
who I think is an unsung hero of this game. Doesn't get a t- it's not going to get talked about a lot. But he, if without what he did in this game, Yankees don't come back and win. And that would be Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez came out of the bullpen when Herman was not very good in this game uh, and pitched three scoreless innings, only giving up one hit, walking one, striking out three. That's what they needed. That was a huge pick-me-up from Nestor Cortez, and that allowed the Yankees to come back in this game and ultimately win, which is awesome and what I like to see. Chapman did pick up the save, but he does continue to struggle. We'll talk about his struggles a little bit later in the Kansas City series as well. But, um, yeah, Chapman uh, struggled but got the save. Uh, Chad Green gets the win. Uh, As far as hitting goes for the Yankees in this game, Judge got two hits. Uh, Gio Urshela got two hits, including the game-winning home run. Stanton got two hits. Uh, Clint Frazier also got two hits as well. Yankees had 11 hits in total in this game. Um, Good win. This was a good win. Uh, I will absolutely take uh, the Saturday win uh, over Oakland. And then on Sunday, uh, it was a 2-1 victory. Uh, A very low-scoring game, uh, but the Yankees came from behind once again for another win. Uh, Matt Olson hit a home run in the. I can. I don't even have to look up the scoring summary. I can tell you exactly what how the scoring summary went in this game. Matt Olson hit a solo home run in the first inning, uh, and that was the only scoring for the A's. The Yankees would score two runs on a Gary Sanchez RBI double in two run RBI double in the sixth, and that was all the scoring. Now, the A's were threatening in the ninth inning. They had runners on first and second, nobody out. Chapman gets a ground ball to Gio Urshela, throws to Odor for the second out, or throws to LeMayhew for the second out, excuse me. LeMayhew throws to Gittins for the third out for the Yankees' third triple play of the season. And their second triple play of the week. And their third triple play of the month. Woo! That's what I like. That's the shit I like. Oh, yeah. I love game-ending triple plays. I mean... I, and also, shout out to Michael Kay as well. I thought Michael Kay had a tremendous call to triple play. He knew right away it was going to be a triple play. He's like, he said, this could be one, two, there it is, a triple play. It was beautiful. A great way to end a game, a great way to end a, and get a series win over an Oakland A's team that had been red hot going into this series. They were on fire. They had won four in a row, if I'm not mistaken, going into the series. Now they ended it on a two-game losing streak. That's, you like to see that. You like to see that a lot. So um, that was big for the Yankees. Um, they win that game on Sunday. They get the day off on Monday. Uh, last day off for a while. Thank, thank God. I'm sick of these days off. Uh, and also an exciting Yankee news, Luke Voigt was activated from the IL on, um, on Tuesday. Uh, and to make way, they sent down Chris Gittins. Good luck to Chris Gittins. He was, real, he was a really nice guy. You guys know how I feel about nice people. And um, so we wish Chris Gittins the best of luck. Um, but it did feel good to have Luke Voigt back. Now, let's get into the Kansas City series, folks. Uh, so they won the last two. They had to come from uh, last. The second game was nuts. They won the third game easily. Uh, the first game was frustrating, though. The first game was very frustrating. Uh, first off, they should never lose when Garrett Cole pitches. Like, it should be against the law for the Yankees to lose when Garrett Cole pitches. I mean, and, and they're, and, uh, I'm, I'm angry just thinking about this stat. They're 8-7 and seven when Cole pitches. Are you kidding? I need to take a sip of my coffee because that stat pisses me off so much. 8-7. 8-7. and seven. Eight 
and seven when the best pitcher in the American League is pitching for your team? It's not right. And this would be another loss for them. Uh, we'll get into the scoring summary now. Actually, let me tell you how many guys the Yankees left on base in this game. They left 13 men on base in this game. That's a small village of people left on base, honestly. They were 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. Oh, I think all their runs scored on home runs, but I'll confirm that in the scoring summary, which we will do right now. Uh, in the bottom of the first inning, Luke Voigt, uh, first at bat, first pitch off the IL, hits a long home run to left field. That's good to see because Voigt did struggle a bit in his um, first uh, first turn back from the IL. That made it one nothing in the bottom of the second inning. Kyle Higashioka. Look, I'm not a big. I've said this in past episodes. He, I like Higgy. But I would prefer Gary Sanchez to be in the lineup. Gary Sanchez is on fire right now. He's hitting 400, um, like basically in the last month. He needs to be in the lineup every day. He's proven he can catch Cole. He caught Cole in the Toronto game uh, last week. Anyway, I wouldn't do the personal catcher stuff, but I know that's what Aaron Boone likes to do. Uh, Higgy hit a home run uh, to make it two nothing in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, Royals answered on an RBI ground out in the top of the third inning to make it 2-1. And then Ryan O'Hearn, who's a player I was actually pretty impressed with in this series, um, hit a solo home run to tie the game off Cole uh, to make it 2-2 at that point. Uh, Yankees would take the lead in the bottom of the seventh inning. Uh, they, they had a, Tyler Wade uh, came in, I believe, to pinch run for Voigt, and uh, he scored on a wild pitch. That made it 3-2 Yankees at that point. But Loisaga came in and sucked. I mean, Loisaga is that is not typical Jonathan Loisaga, if you ask me. Uh, he, he has only had one other really bad outing this season, and it was against the Nationals. They remember that terrible eighth inning he had against the Nationals where he gave up all those runs? Um, this was pretty similar to that, honestly. Um, infield single by O'Hearn ties the game at 3-3. They get a fielder's choice by Jared Dyson. Um, actually, if I yeah, they they threw to the plate, but um, Carlos Santana beat the throw. Uh, he was clearly safe. That made it four three uh, at that point, and then they scored another run on a Hunter Dozier RBI single to make it five three. And then former National Michael A. Taylor hit an RBI single to make it six three. All of that runs, all four of those runs were scored in the top of the eighth inning, and all four of them were scored off what, who I call Mini Mo. Jonathan ago, but the Yankees would answer back. wasn't over yet. Like I said, they scored all their runs on home runs in this game, and um, DJ LeMayhew hit a home run to uh, an opposite field home run. It was a two-run shot to make it 6-5, and then Aaron Judge hit a ball off the wall. Uh, John Sterling, I was watching the John Sterling feed as I am prone to do. Uh, he thought it was out of the park for sure. He's like, that ball is high. It is far. It is off the wall. And um, yeah, so uh, Judge hit a RBI or hit a double, and uh, Yankees couldn't bring him home. Odor popped out, Stanton grounded out. That was the end of the threat. Yankees would threaten in the bottom of the ninth off Greg Holland. Gio Urshela got a single to start the inning, but then Glaber Torres, who's been in a bit of a slump, uh, struck out. Clint Frazier struck out, and then they intentionally walked. Gary Sanchez, because obviously Gary Sanchez has been on fire lately. Brett Gardner has not, and Brett Gardner ended the game by popping out to third base. Ball game over. Yankees lose. Need another sip of my coffee. I hate when I say that.
You should not lose on Cole Day. You should not lose on Cole Day. You should not be allowed. He's the best pitcher in the American League. You should not lose when he starts. It's unacceptable. Really, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Okay. Let's get into some more fun games. Um, the 6-5 win on Wednesday night was absolutely nuts. Uh, we are going to recap it right now. Uh, the scoring summary, Kansas City got off to another good start. Ryan O'Hearn hit a two-run home run off Michael King. Michael King, if there's one thing you can say about him, he struggles like crazy in the first inning. You remember when we played the Red Sox at the stadium, Mike King pitched. He gave up a three-run home run to Devers. This time he gives up a two-run home run to O'Hearn. I made it 2 nothing. No scoring until the bottom of the fourth inning. Clint Frazier absolutely needed this hit. Absolutely needed it. An RBI double to make it 2-2 at that point. Uh, it's, he scored Stanton and Andujar. Um, and that was all the scoring until the top of the eighth inning. And then things really picked up. Things really picked up in the top of the eighth inning. Now, I will say the Yankees also left a lot of men on base in this game. They left 10 men on base. They went 2 for 6 with runners in scoring position in this game. And Andujar and Santos both hit into double plays. Um, Zach Britton has not looked right since coming off the IL. I have to say that for sure. Uh, I was very confused as to why they haven't used him in certain spots. Uh, but he came in in the top of the eighth inning, and he gave up a long home run to Carlos Santana to make it 3-2 Royals. Uh, but the Yankees would answer right back in the eighth inning. Hang on, I'm going to give up the exact scoring summary because if I'm not mistaken, um, yes. So what happened was Glaber worked a walk to lead off the inning, but then Andujar hit into that double play. Uh, that made it two outs, and I'm like, ah, crap, we're going to lose. We're definitely going to lose this game. Uh, but then Clint Frazier works a walk, and then Odor hits a line drive into the bullpen to give the Yankees a 4-3 lead. Big home run for Odor. If there's one thing I can say about Rugnet Odor, I know he's hitting under 200, but he gets a lot of big hits for this team. A lot of big hits. He, he saves his hits for when they count. we got to be honest. Rugnet Odor absolutely saves his hits for when they count the most. Um, but, unfortunately, Chapman came in. And, uh, look, usually when Chapman comes in, it's game over, right? He's... Until the last couple of weeks or so, Chapman has been the most dominant reliever in all of baseball. But he's really struggled. He's been really struggling lately. Like his first couple of games, he had an ERA under two. Or first couple of weeks of the season, he had an ERA under two. Now, last couple of starts, he's got an ERA over five. So, well, Hunter Dozier strikes out to start the inning. Michael A. Taylor gets an RBI single, and then Hanser Alberto uh, gets strikes strikes out against Chapman. So it's two outs, right? Easy enough, right? Uh, wrong. Whit Merrifield gets a single, uh, a bloop single to right field. Uh, and then I was not a huge fan of this strategy from uh, Aaron Boone, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I, I thought it was a dumb idea, and it re like I, I thought it was idiotic, honestly. What is the point of this? So they had runners on first and third with two outs, and Carlos Santana up. Carlos Santana, they showed the stats on yes was 1 for 12 in his career against the Roldis Chapman. And they decided to intentionally walk him and get to Sebastian Rivera, who had come in for the injured Salvador Perez in this game, and um, who's a rookie. He's a rookie backup catcher. Um, he's going up against Chapman. And look, I, I get it. You want to get a force out at every base. And obviously Rivera is a much less dangerous hitter than Santana. 
but it did it really did it really backfired it really backfired because Chapman walked Rivero on four straight pitches some of them weren't even especially the fourth one wasn't even close oh my god and then O'Hearn hit an RBI single it was an infield hit uh, to make it 5-4 Royals they take the lead going into the ninth inning and uh, I thought it was over I really did I thought there's no way the Yankees were going to come back. But the comeback kids, baby, don't count us out. Don't ever count out this Yankee team. Um, started off with a Judge strikeout. Like I said, Judge had been in a little bit of a slump. But anyways, uh, Gary followed it up with a line drive, bullet home run into the left field seats. That Gary is scary, baby. And we're not done talking about him in this series. A game-tying home run. To make it five, five in the game. Oh, baby, I love that home. I was so fired up when Gary hit that home run. And um, we needed that. Absolutely needed that. I did not want to lose this game. This game was wild, and I did absolutely did not want to lose it. Um, anyway, um, back to what happened. Giancarlo followed it up with a, a single to right field. Tyler Wade comes in to pinch run for him. Wade moves to second on a wild pitch. And then Luke Voigt hits a booming RBI double off the wall. The other night, Luke Voigt had been robbed of at least a at least a home. It might have been a home run by potential fan interference. He ended up on third. This time, nobody interfered with Luke. It's an RBI double off the wall. Ball game over. Yankees win 6-5. Woo, what a game. Holy smokes, this game was nuts. This game was insane, you know. Oh, my God. Um, I'm really glad the Yankees won, uh, obviously. Uh, I, I would have been really bad to lose this game. But, um, yeah, I'll take it. A 6-5 win. Um, Chapman's got to do better. But uh, he's got a couple days off now before going to Fenway. And uh, hopefully he's good for the Red Sox series. Um, you know, people are saying Chapman's struggling because they're cutting down on the sticky stuff. Eh, maybe. Eh, it's something to consider, I think. I mean, Chapman's, I mean, his velocity is still there, but his control seems to be gone. So, anyway, I'll stop talking about the bad things. I love this win. I'm glad they won this game. I'm fired up they won this game. And, uh, yeah, let's go into the game they played yesterday. It was a day game, so I was at work. I didn't see a ton of it, but I actually got on my break just in time to hear them break it open um, so here's the scoring summary I'll just go through it quickly because I obviously didn't see a ton of this game it started off judge breaks out of his slump with a home run an opposite field home run to make it one nothing um, off Brad Keller uh, and then later in the first inning Rugnet Odor hit a infield or it was an RBI single uh, to make it two nothing at that point uh, and then they would add to it in the bottom of the second Aaron judge hit an RBI single to make it 3 nothing, and then Luke hit another home run. Luke's been on fire lately. A home run, an opposite field shot to make it 4 nothing. Kansas City scored a run in the top of the fifth inning off Tyone, but then Gary Sanchez, baby. Gary MF and Sanchez, baby. I love that. I mean, there's children around me. I can't swear. <laughs> Gary Sanchez uh, broke it open with a long three-run home run to make it 7-1 a a Yankees. And then um, they scored one last run in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, Giancarlo hit an RBI single, and uh, that was it. They won 8-1. Uh, and just to go into the, the hits and scoring summary for this game, uh, 
Aaron Judge, three for three. Great day for Judge. Stanton, or, excuse me, Sanchez, two for five with the long home run. Stanton, three for five. Odor, three for four. That was pretty much the main offense. They got 13 hits. They did leave 10 men on base again, but it's okay. They won eight to one. I will absolutely take it. I am cool with it. I am cool with winning two out of three against the Kansas City Royals at the stadium. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on uh, this series. Uh, a great series win for the Yankees. Uh, the last three series have all been great series wins against Toronto, Oakland, and Kansas City. And uh, I am looking forward to their next game. I, I, I have this whole weekend off, like I said. I can watch every game this weekend, and I am very much looking forward to it. And uh, so let's, let's very briefly preview the Red Sox series. Uh, on Friday tonight, the day you'll be listening to this podcast, uh, why is the Yankees not the first one? That's just weird. I don't know why the Yankees aren't the first game. It's always the first game when I log on to the ESPN app. Man, anyway, that's weird. But anyway, um, tonight uh, it'll be at Fenway. Uh, the game is at 710. Uh, Perez, I believe that's Martin Perez maybe? Sounds right. He's pitching for the Red Sox. He's 5-4 and four with a 4.32 earned run average, and he's going up against Domingo Herman, who is 4-4 four four with a 4.17 earned run average. That is the Friday matchup. And on the Saturday matchup at Fenway, give me once. I don't know why ESPN's doing this. Why are the Yankees not the first game listed? It's always the first game listed. They're my favorite team. On Saturday, we've got a good pitching matchup. I'm interested in this one. Nathan Navaldi will be pitching for the Sox. He's... 7-4 with a 3.90 earned run average. He'll be going up against Gumby. Jordan Montgomery, who's 3-1 with a 4.03 earned run average. That game is at 7.15. I believe it is nationally televised on Fox. So that is the Saturday game. And then finally on Sunday, it is a day game. It is a 1 o'clock game, one ten at Fenway. It'll be Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox. He has struggled this season. He's 5-4 with a 6.07 earned run average. And Garrett Cole will be pitching for the Yankees. It's Cole Day on Sunday, folks. He'll be 8-3. He is 8-3. Amazingly, despite the fact that the Yankees are 8-7 in games that he starts, Cole is still 8-3 with a 2.33 earned run average. Look, guys, take care of business at Fenway. You need to win these games if you want to catch up in the division. The Red Sox are still ahead of the Yankees. In fact, I am pulling up the standings as we speak so I can go over. Yankees are a game and a half. Or excuse me. They're three games, three and a half games behind the Red Sox. So they can make up a lot of ground this weekend. The Red Sox have lost two games in a row. They lost to Tampa Bay last night. I was actually watching a little bit of that game when I got back from, from house. Uh, when I got back from work while I was house-sitting at Robbie's house, actually watched a little bit of the Red Sox-Rays game. The Rays won on a wild pitch. Uh, the Rays are also struggling as well. Um, they got swept by Seattle last weekend. Uh, Tim Clark was actually at the game. Uh, he was at the last game of that series. It ended on a walk-off Grand Slam. I, I wonder if Tim's ever seen a walk-off Grand Slam in person before that. But uh, Yankees are playing the best baseball of anyone in the division right now. They're 7-3 in their last 10. Rays are... Three and seven in their last ten. Red Sox are five and five in their last ten. Although Toronto is playing some good ball right now too, they've actually won five games in a row. So uh, we will see how this series goes at Fenway. Um, looking forward to uh, recapping that whenever I do an episode next. Uh, after the Red Sox series, they play. They return back to the stadium. This is another one of those weird road trips mixed in the middle of a homestand. Uh, they go to Fenway this weekend, and they come back to the stadium, and then they play the Angels for a four-game series on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then the Subway Series is next weekend. 
uh, July 4th weekend at the stadium. Uh, I am looking forward to all of that. That's all going to be great. This is, you know, Otani comes to town. I believe Mike Trout is back now for the Angels. He might be. I'm not sure. And, of course, the Mets. So uh, that's exciting. I wonder if we're still on pace for Cole versus DeGrom. That would be a lot of fun. I hope we're still on pace for Cole versus DeGrom. But, yeah, that's enough Yankee talk. I'm going to very – next we're going to very briefly talk on the whole sticky stuff situation. I want to talk about this Max Scherzer situation with Joe Girardi. Um, and, yeah, let's get into that next. Thank you for listening to the Yankee segment. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode. All right, guys. I don't, I don't want to be talking about this. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Like, I really think this is stupid, honestly. This whole sticky stuff crackdown and everything. I think it is the dumbest thing that has ever happened to baseball. But it's just ridiculous now. Uh, I, I'm going to talk on it very briefly, but I, I just feel like why – it just feels so random, right? Like why is everybody checking all the time? It's like I figured they'd be like checking maybe like once a week, maybe like once when the start begins for a starting pitcher. I thought they'd be maybe checking once a week. They're checking multiple times a game. Garrett Cole got checked three times in his game. Jacob DeGrom, if I'm not mistaken, also got checked on Monday three times in his game. It's stupid. And it's stupid, and we're seeing pitchers who are, you know, obviously fed up with this shit. Like, honestly, we're seeing pitchers who are like, this is stupid, and why do we have to go through this? And there was no better example of that than what happened on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Tuesday or Monday. I think it was, it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday um, with Max Scherzer and Joe Girardi. The, the Nationals... Uh, we're playing the Phillies and the umpires checked Max Scherzer three times are you kidding like three times and Max Scherzer looked visibly pissed looked visibly pissed now Joe Girardi look I like Joe Girardi he won my team world. he was a great player for the Yankees got the big hit in 96 the triple um, and to win game the, that was huge part of game six in 96 he was the world series winning manager in 2009 i like joe girardi i i do like joe girardi i gotta say he was totally out of line with this totally out of line with this. clearly trying to throw max scherzer off his game there's no point in checking him three times he's clearly clearly just trying to throw max scherzer off his game and it didn't work didn't work at all max scherzer went out there despite the fact that they checked him three times and pitched a good game and then and then and he started barking, like, he gave, he gave, um, I thought, what I thought was funny was when Scherzer, who, uh, by the way, look, I like Joe Girardi, but Max Scherzer is my favorite non-national, like, uh, my favorite non-Yankee, excuse me, my favorite non-Yankee, he's my favorite player to watch on the map, he's my favorite, and he's my favorite national, too, I mean, I'm not a Nationals fan or anything, but he's probably my favorite, he's my favorite Nationals player for sure, but, um, he just stared at Girardi as he was walking off the mound. Uh, and um, Girardi, uh, and then all of a sudden, um, Kevin Long, who was the Yankees, uh, he was also he used to be a coach with Joe Girardi on the Yankees coaching staff, started barking at Girardi too. And Girardi started barking back at him. Now, uh, the best analysis on this moment, uh, you know who I'm going to say. <laughs> You guys got to go watch the John Boy breakdown of this because I thought it was tremendous. I thought John Boy didn't. One, I thought it was honestly one of John Boy's best breakdowns ever. Uh, and um, he was able to catch Girardi yelling at Kevin Long, uh, 
saying, like, you want to go, K-Long? You want to go? This is just stupid, man. We're all fighting over sticky stuff right now. We've got former, you know, co-workers and Kevin Long and Joe Girardi who are really good friends beefing over something like this. So stupid to me. They checked Max Scherzer's hair to see if he had sticky stuff in his hair. Like, are you kidding me? He, he kept putting his hands up like, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. And he took his belt off. Like, are you kidding me? He's like, do you want to check my belt too? And they're like, no, no, we don't need to check your belt. It's stupid. This is, look, if you want to crack down on the sticky stuff, that's fine. There's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something more organized, something like you want to check them before the game, before they even go out on the mound. Um, now, I understand why they're doing it in between innings because they don't want to delay the game any longer, but I don't think they should. I think they should personally check them once before the game, and that is it. That should be it. That should be the only time they check someone before the game, honestly. And um, yeah, I, I, I just don't like this. There was a pitcher for the Mets. I can't remember. It was the guy who started the game after Degrom in the doubleheader on Monday. Uh, I don't remember his name. He pitched a really good game. He got a standing ovation at City Field. And uh, those standing ovations quickly turned to booze because the umpires checked him. Stupid. This stuff is dumb. I hate it, and uh, there's got to be a better way. I am okay with, yeah, look, I, I think this is just like, it's killing the game, honestly. It's, it's killing the game for me. And I, I, I just, I am not a fan of this. I know it's going to continue all this weekend, but I, I think after this week, Major League Baseball has to take a long look at what has happened this week. Not to mention Sergio Romo, the pitcher for the A's. Um, they wanted to check him, and he, he literally took his he took his belt off and started to take off his pants. I mean, we almost got, if I'm not mistaken, we almost got like an X-rated uh, check there. I saw um, an adult website offered uh, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, any pitcher who's being checked, uh, money to appear in an adult film, which I thought was pretty funny. But... Um, yeah, I, I just, I think this is dumb, and um, I if I were Major League Baseball, I would find a better way, because I'm okay, like, if you guys really want to crack down on the sticky stuff, I would find a better way, because this is, this is not working, this is not working, uh, Mike Rizzo had some mean comments for Joe Girardi, I don't like what Joe Girardi did either, I, I just, I just thought this whole thing was completely, it's completely blown out of proportion, and completely ridiculous, honestly. Um, Max Scherzer has nothing to hide. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's been one of the best. Same with Cole. Same with DeGrom. These guys are animals on the mound, and they have absolutely nothing to hide. So I don't know what what this is all about. I think this is ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I, I just um, I'm not a fan of it. One other thing I'm not a fan of in Major League Baseball is, you guys seen those All-Star Game uniforms? They're trash. One of the worst sets of uniforms I have ever seen in my life. Period, hands down. These are ugly, 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 ugly. They are disgrace. Honestly, they're disgraceful. And um, one of the best parts of All Star, the All Star Game in Major League Baseball. One of the things I like about Major League Baseball's All Star Game that kind of separates it from the NBA All Star Game a bit is that the players wear their actual team jerseys. They're taking that away and get putting on these glorified polo jerseys. Oh my god, these jerseys are atrocious. They're disgustingly bad. 
I hate these jerseys. And um, if I were Major League Baseball, I would, one, figure out a better way to handle the sticky stuff checks and everything. Do it before the game. In, to find a better way than what you're doing now, honestly. Because this is pathetic. You don't need to check someone three times a game. And secondly, get rid of these freaking uniforms. They're terrible. They're a disgrace. These uniforms are a disgrace. You're a disgrace, Manfred. I'm sorry. You are. I mean, you let the Astros get off light. And now you're doing with this stick is extremely hypocritical, by the way, that Rob Manfred the, it let the Astros just, you know, walk scot-free with no repercussions. And yet we have, he's cracking down on the sticky stuff like he's the freaking KGB or something. It's so stupid. The dumbest thing ever. We, we, I, I used to think Roger Goodell was the worst commissioner in sports. And he might still be. I'm sure a lot of people still think Roger Goodell is the worst commissioner in sports. Rob Manfred sucks. Can't stand Rob Manfred. He's a clown. He's a clown. Anyway, um, that pretty much does it for uh, this little sticky stuff segment. Uh, we're going to talk a little NBA playoffs next. Um, free, uh, I don't know. Just one last thing that I thought was kind of funny. Um, Bryce Harper. Uh, hit a triple against the, the Nationals the next day after Scherzer got checked. And um, they hit Scherzer, of course, Max Scherzer and Bryce Harper are former teammates. And Scherzer was like yelling at Harper, check him, check him, which I thought was funny. And Harper was laughing about that too. And that was a funny moment. You could tell that the Phillies were even like, this is stupid. Like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Um, but yeah, so, uh, sorry, Joe, I'm not on your side on this one at all. Uh, and once again, I encourage you, I probably didn't do as good of a job explaining it as John Boy can. Go check out the John Boy breakdown of the Max Scherzer stuff. I posted it to my personal Facebook page. I'll post it the official page if you're interested as well. But yeah, I just had to get that off my chest uh, about the sticky stuff and about those stupid-ass ugly uniforms that are garbage. Ugh, disgraceful. All right, that's enough baseball talk for one day. Let's talk a little NBA. The NBA playoffs have been great so far. Uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals are both underway now. Uh, we will talk about all that. We'll recap uh, also the end of the second round coming up next. All right, the NBA playoffs are well underway now. Uh, we are into the Conference Finals. Uh, Phoenix versus the Clippers. The Suns are up 2-1 in that series. Clippers won game three last night. And we also have the Bucks versus the Hawks, which is a, I mean, honestly, we'll re, I just want to talk very briefly about the end of the second round, too, because I don't think we saw Bucks versus Hawks in the conference finals coming at all. I think we all assumed it would be net sixers. But no, we got Bucks versus Hawks. And um, you got to give some love to the Bucks. First off, the Bucks for winning game seven in Brooklyn. Um, an incredible game. Um, we've talked. I talked about Kevin Durant's amazing performance in Game Five. He arguably, might have been even better in Game Seven. Um, game Seven was wild, back and forth. An incredible game. Um, and Durant hit a shot that it looked like it was a three-pointer. The crowd was acting like it was a three-pointer for sure at the Brooklyn Public Library. But um, he, it was a two-pointer. His foot was on the line. In fact, I was reading somewhere that Kevin Durant actually wears longer shoes when he plays, like an inch longer shoe, and that was that was the difference, folks. He had a foot, a toe on the line, making it a two-pointer and not a three-pointer. It sent the game to overtime instead of the Nets winning. 
Bucks would go on to win that game seven in overtime. And I fear the deer. Fear the effing deer, baby. I am so happy the Nets are out. Uh, what a, I mean, I posted to Facebook. I saw this graphic that said Brooklyn Nets eliminated. And I posted it to Facebook and I said, what a shame. What a damn shame. Goodbye, Nets. Goodbye, you. Ugh, I'm so happy. This is a good day for basketball that the Nets are out, honestly. Um, but I will say Kevin Durant was amazing in Game 7. He scored 48 points, 17-36 shooting. Incredible night for KD. Um, it just wasn't enough, unfortunately, for the or Not unfortunately. Screw the Nets. I hate them. Um, James Harden had 22 points as well. He played 53 minutes. on. That's impressive. I'll give James Harden... Uh, you know, he's obviously hurt. He played 53 minutes in this game. The whole freaking game. He played the whole game. And yet he was hurt. He was clearly hurt. He was 5 of 17 from the field. And um, he really struggled at times. But he did score 22 points. It was a grind for Harden. I'll give Harden a little bit of love. Um, the, ben- the Nets got zero points from their bench. Green, Claxton, and Shamit all had zero points. Uh, and it was... Yeah, all their starters scored all their points, basically. Blake Griffin had 17. Joe Harris really struggled this series, honestly, guys. Joe Harris is probably the least impressive player in the Nets-Bucks series to me. He really struggled from three, and when the three-point shooting goes away for Joe Harris, he's lost. He's not a very good player outside of the three-point shooting, honestly. So, he only scored 10 points. Uh, The Bucks. Uh, got a great night from Giannis, of course, 15 to 24 shooting, 40 points. Uh, Chris Middleton added 23, including some, you know, some big baskets. Drew Holiday struggled, but he made some big buckets in overtime and down the stretch when it really counted, scoring 13 points. He's only five of 23, not very good, but he made it count. He absolutely made it count by scoring some big buckets down the stretch. And um, yeah, I'm very impressed with the Bucks. I'm very happy the Bucks won the series. And uh, I'm very happy that the Nets are out. And then also on Sunday, we had Game 7 of the Hawks 76ers series. Now, the Sixers have nobody to I said this on Facebook. The Sixers have nobody to blame but themselves for losing this playoff series. They are a better, they should be a better team than the Hawks. They absolutely let themselves down. Joel Embiid was great in this series. He struggled a bit in Game 7, but he was great in this series. Um, Their second best player, though was Seth Curry. And if your second best player is Seth Curry, you're not going to win, honestly. You are not going to win that series. And um, Tobias Harris was awful in certain games. He played all right in Game 7, if I'm not mistaken. Um, He scored a 20. All right, so Tobias Harris was all right in Game 7, at least. He scored 24 points. But um, let's talk a little bit about Mr. Simmons. Uh, Oh, God. Guy is a scrub. I'm sorry. Ben Simmons is a scrub. Uh, he's not a. I, I look. I've never been so like unimpressed with somebody that everybody thinks. I don't know why anybody would think Ben Simmons is a good player. Honestly, can't make a free throw to save his life. He's timid offensively. He's a, one of the worst offensive players I have ever seen. Defensively, he's good. All right. Defensively, I will say Ben Simmons is a good player. Offensively, he's timid. He's scared. He's weak. He's weak offensively. And that's putting it nicely. Ben Simmons is a joke offensively. He only scored five points in this game. And the moment I think a lot of Sixers fans knew they were going to lose this game seven was when 
instead of passing, instead of taking an easy dunk, all he had to do was dunk it in. Now, I know Ben Simmons, Arun was like, well, Ben Simmons missed from two feet away earlier this game. Well, I, and I was like, this is an easy dunk. I could have made this shit. Like, yeah, I could have just dunked it in. And that was the moment he passes it to Tyball instead. And um, Tyball gets fouled, and uh, he goes to the line. And he misses the first three, so that was the moment where it was like, okay, Atlanta can definitely win this game now. Because Ben Simmons is clearly like, why do you pass that up? Unbelievable. I cannot believe Ben Simmons passed up that wide-open dunk. Or that wide-open layup. I mean, come on, dude. Are you serious right now? Ugh. And also, didn't take a single shot in games four, five, six, or seven in the fourth quarter. I, I have nothing good to say about Ben Simmons after this series. Um... And I don't think Sixers fans are going to forgive him. You even saw his coach, Doc Rivers. They asked him, do you think Ben Simmons can be a point, starting point guard on a championship team? Doc Rivers said he doesn't know. Like, Doc Rivers said he has no idea if Ben Simmons, his own starting point guard, can be the starting point guard on a championship team. That says all you need to hear right there about Mr. Ben Simmons. He's a scrub. Uh, but I will say, um, you know, he's not a scrub. And uh, I apologize to Tim Clark for saying he was one earlier this playoffs. Uh, Kevin Herter stepped up big for the Hawks in Game 7. Uh, he scored 27 points. Um, easily their best player, 10 of 18 shooting. Trey struggled. He was only 5 of 23. But he had some big buckets towards the end. Um, Capella had 13 points. John Collins had a, had a good game, 14 points, 16 rebounds. But Herder was definitely the star. Gallo had 17 points off the bench. This Atlanta team is a good team. Like they are, they have proven to everyone they deserve to be here. Honestly, to me, this Atlanta team has absolutely proven that they are the best, like one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I remember when we, when I found out we were going to play Atlanta in the first round, I was like, "Great, we're going to win. Uh, this isn't Miami. We're not playing Milwaukee. We're playing Atlanta. We got this." They beat us in five games, and. They, that really set the tone for what's been a really impressive run for the Atlanta Hawks this postseason. So I'm very impressed that they won Game 7, and I'm glad the Sixers are out. I think it's good for the NBA that the Philadelphia 76ers are no longer in the playoffs. So um, the first two games of the uh, conference finals, I missed the first game, unfortunately, uh, between the Suns and the Clippers. The Suns won 120 to 114. Devin Booker had his first career triple-double. What a time to get it, too, with Chris Paul being out uh, at that point for the Clipper uh, for the Suns. Um, a huge loss, obviously. Uh, I thought uh, in his absence, Devin Booker stepped up big. He scored 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists. You know who else? Who else? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm stumbling all over myself here. Who else was good for the Suns in that game? Filling in for Chris Paul was Cameron Payne, the Tar Heel. 11 points off uh, in filling in for Chris Paul. I mean, that's a big ask. Mike and I were actually talking. Michael Edgley and I uh, were friends again, by the way, everyone. Mike and I are friends again. I take back everything I said about him in the bonus episode. I apologize for that again, Mike. I am very sorry. But um, Michael Edgley and I were talking about Cameron Payne last night. And um, how he could go to another team and potentially be a starter for them. And um, he scored 11 points in this game, uh, nine assists as well. Great stuff from Payne. Aiton's a beast too, 20 points. More on him in a second. Jay Crowder, 13 points. Suns team is good. Johnson had 12 points off the bench. 
Um, the crowd was chanting Suns in four. Well, that's not going to happen after last night, but uh, Suns in four. <laughs> I love that stuff. Uh, Suns win the first game 120 to 114. The third game, or the second game of that series was uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, it's Tuesday night. Sorry, I get my days mixed up. It's, it's been a long week. Um, crazy back and forth game. Uh, Clippers um, had a chance to put it away. They had a one-point lead. Paul George was at the free-throw line. Paul George had a pretty good game, honestly. And and Ty Lue said after this game, we wouldn't be in the spot we're in without Paul George. But unfortunately, Paul George missed two huge free-throws, leaving the door open for the Suns and setting up what I think is the best play in the NBA this entire season. Um, everything had to be perfect for this play for the Suns to work. And it they only had very limited amount of time left on the clock so everything had to be perfect for this play to work for the phoenix suns the pass from ayton the screen from booker or excuse me the pass from crowder the screen from booker the little dunk from ayton everything had to be perfect and it was amazing amazing play from the suns i literally mike and i were watching this game and we we thought it was a block at first we thought it was goaltending it actually went in perfect execution beautiful basketball this is why i love the nba this is why i love basketball absolutely gave me chills watching Aiton slam that ball in for the win for the phoenix suns they win that game 104 to 103 um, like i said paul george did have 26 points but he missed those two free throws that really opened the door for the phoenix suns and cameron Payne once again filling in for chris paul was the leading scorer for them with 29 points uh great night for cameron Payne. Uh, Aiton had 24 uh, points and 14 rebounds. Devin Booker struggled a little bit. He also broke his nose in this game, meaning he'd be wearing a mask the rest of the way. Uh, I actually read uh, that he consulted Rip Hamilton for advice when it came to wearing the mask. So uh, I like that from uh, from Book. And, uh, yeah, uh, a great win for the for the Suns. Um, they absolutely, you know, Crowder only scored two points, but um, – Aiton said after the game, you know, they asked him how you feel about the game winner. Obviously, they asked him that. And Aiton said, that wasn't my game winner. That was Jay Crowder's game winner. That's a sign of a good teammate. That's a sign of a good friend. I absolutely love it. And um, I love basketball, guys. What a what a great freaking game that was. Suns Clippers, 104 to 103 uh, final in that one. And then game three was last night. Uh, the Clippers won fairly easily in L.A., Chris Paul did come back, but he did look a little rusty, I would say. And I also say Devin Booker also looked a little rusty, maybe still getting used to that mask as well. Uh, Aiton was the leading scorer with 15 or 18 points uh, for the Suns, and he had nine rebounds as well. But I, I thought Paul George played a great game in this one. I thought it was a great bounce back for Paul George. Uh, the moment, I would say the dagger moment in this game, was uh, at the end of the uh, third quarter. Looked like the Suns were creeping back into it, but Paul George hit a shot from just beyond half court, which he actually, I saw this on the NBA's Instagram account earlier today, was practicing before the game. And um, so he, he knew what to do, and uh, he got off a great shot. Uh, they uh, didn't win the game, but it was uh, a big moment in that, that, that game for the Clippers last night. They win that game 106-92. Uh, Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, as I call him, uh, got 23 points as well for the Clippers. Um, I don't even think I talked about how impressed I am with the Clippers. I don't think I even, because I didn't do a Monday episode, I don't think I got to talk about how impressed I am with the Clippers 
coming back against the Utah Jazz. Not only were they down 2-0 um, in the series, they won four straight, and they, if I'm not mistaken, they were down 26 points in Game 6 as well um, in the third quarter. And they came back and won that. A great performance from Terrence Mann. I've been really impressed with the Clippers. There's another thing Mike and I have been talking about um, lately is how we used to really not be able to like the Clippers. We used to think they were kind of arrogant and kind of douchey, but they've really impressed us this playoff run. And uh, so, yeah, impressive. This is their first Western Conference Finals ever. They, they lost their Western Conference Finals virginity. And uh, good for them. I think this is going to be a long series. You know, that's why I was hesitant to say Suns in four. I think this is going to be a six-game series. Uh, I was talking to Lee Ulica. He thinks both of these series are going um, at least, he said He said five games. I'm like, dude, five games? That's way too short. These are, in my opinion, at least two six-game series. Uh, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. First game of the Eastern Conference Finals was also very good. Uh, it was on Wednesday. Atlanta won by three. Atlanta has now won game one in all three of their series that they've played so far. They beat us in game one at the Garden. They beat uh, Philly in game one in Philly, and now they win game one in Milwaukee, 116-113. to 113. And you know how I said Trey Young struggled in game seven? He definitely didn't struggle in game one of this series. He scored 48 points. Incredible from Trey Young. Absolutely beasted in this game. 17 to 34 shooting. Uh, incredible stuff from Trey Young in this game. John Collins also had a good game as well. 23 points, 15 rebounds. Kevin Herter had 13 as well for the Hawks. Milwaukee had a chance to tie it. I believe Middleton took the game tying three, but he just missed. Um, it was just short. Giannis and Middleton uh, had 34 points for Giannis and 33 points for Middle. Or for I'm sorry, not Middleton. Holiday had 33 points. Drew Holiday had 33 points. So a nice bounce back for him after a week game seven as well. But um, Milwaukee, I think, still has a chance in this series. I, I think this is a six or seven game series. Uh, former Nick Bobby Portis also had 11 points and eight rebounds off the bench for the Bucks. This is going to be a good game. It's going to be back and forth. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, uh, uh, to game two of that series tonight. I'll be watching with Mike and Tim and Lee, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but Trey Young, look, we're learning the hard way. Like, I, as a Knicks fan, I learned the hard way that Trey Young is a freaking monster, yo. Like, that guy is a beast. And now Sixers fans are learning the hard way that Trey Young is a beast. And now Bucks fans are learning the hard way that Trey Young is a beast. I mean, this guy's really good. And look, I've said this. I can't remember if I've said this in past episodes or not. But, you know, when, when they traded, they did the Luka trade, uh, a lot of Hawks fans were like, why did we trade Luka? Luka's so much better than Trey. I don't think Trey's that much worse than Luka. I know Luka's uh, – I think they're both already on their way to super – like, Luka is already a superstar. I think Trey is on his way to international superstardom in a way. I We, 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 we even said – we think Luka can definitely win an MVP, for sure, at some point in this league. But I think Trey can also win an MVP in this league. I think he really can. I mean, he's really turning the Hawks around. I mean, this and another thing, this Hawks team, I, was, I made this comparison to Lee yesterday, and he kind of agreed with me. I think he was, wasn't 100% sold on it. But this Hawks team reminds me a lot of last year's Heat team. You know, a five seed that went to the finals. Um or maybe the Heat were the four seed last year. I can't remember, but either way, um, you know, a low seeded team that's going on a great run through the playoffs. I've been really impressed with this Hawks team. You know, they were the better team when we, uh, look, 
I'm still bitter. I will be honest. I'm still a little bitter about the first round, but this Hawks team is better than uh, they're, they're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Firing Lloyd Pierce and bringing in Nate McMillan was a genius move. It has absolutely paid off for this franchise. And uh, Nate McMillan is a great coach. I don't know why Indiana let him go. Uh, and they've had a rotating cast of characters ever since they let him go as their head coach. They just hired Rick Carlisle the other day. So, um, oh, God. I, I, look, I, I think Nate McMillan's a great coach, honestly. And he's doing a great job with his Hawks team. He's getting the most out of them. It's exciting. It's, 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 it's good basketball. It's new blood, honestly. Like, the last time the Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals, they got swept by LeBron. Now they're back, and it's good. I'm excited to have Atlanta back in the playoffs. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the NBA that I really need to talk about right now. The draft lottery was the other night. Detroit won. They have the first pick. They're probably taking Cade Cunningham first overall. Um, the Indiana Pacers hired Rick Carlisle, which I'm excited. I think he's going to do really well for them. I, I think Rick Carlisle is a great coach. Obviously, he's an NBA champion. And that Indiana roster, I think, has been waiting for somebody to like bring them in and to get them on the right path. And I think Rick Carlisle can do that. I really do. Um, I don't think I even talked about the Wizards firing. I, we did talk about it on the Dunbar episode last week with, with drugs and Dunbar, but... Um, you know, I, I, the Wizards got to hit this home run. I got to hit this one out of the park. Um, they need to hire the right guy um, because, you know, obviously they need to keep Russell Westbrook and uh, Bradley Beal happy. Uh, so they need to get the right guy in here. Uh, it's going to be tough to replace. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Ime Udoka was named the Celtics head coach. Uh, no Jay Williams. He is not the first black coach in Celtics history. Uh, Ethan and I were debating. Jay Williams, for those, this is kind of a funny story. Jay Williams tweeted, uh, from Jay Williams from ESPN, tweeted that uh, Ime Odoka is the first um, black, black African-American head coach in uh, Celtics history, and uh, which is just blatantly not true. Uh, Bill Russell was actually the first African-American coach period in North American sports when he became the Celtics head coach in the 60s. Not to mention they've also had Lloyd Carr or, and all these uh, Doc Rivers, all these, or uh, not Lloyd Carr, it's, it's another, another guy with the last name Carr. Um, Doc Rivers was literally less than 10 years ago the Celtics head coach. So <laughs> I don't know what Jay Williams was. Ethan and I were debating about this. Ethan thought Jay Williams had been fired. I was like, I don't think he should be fired for making one mistake. But then I saw Jay Williams' excuse. He said he got hacked. I'm like, dude, nobody's going to hack your Twitter account and say something extremely specific like that. But um, I like that hire for the Celtics. I think it's a little bit out of the box. Um, you know, it's a Nets assistant, so uh, he's obviously, you know, it's coming from a good basketball place, I would say. Um, I, I think he'll be a good fit for the Celtics as well. Um, I still think this is the offseason where Becky Hammond or Carol Lawson will get a job as well. Um, I, I there's still a lot of like I I would I think the Wizards the couple names I've heard uh, mentioned with the Wizards is Sam Cassell and uh, Wes Unsell Jr. So uh, I wouldn't be opposed to either of those guys coming to DC. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much um, that's pretty much it. Uh, that's pretty much it when it comes to the NBA. I think we've covered pretty much everything that's happened this week. Uh, in the NBA, I can't think of anybody's hired a new head coach or anything yet. 
Uh, but I'll be keeping my eyes. There's still a ton of vacancies left and still a lot of time left to go when it comes to adding these head coaches. So we will talk about that when they happen. Now we are going to talk very, very briefly before we wrap up this episode about the NHL playoffs. We're going to talk about the Islanders Lightning Game 7 tonight. We're also going to talk about the Montreal Canadiens advancing to their first Stanley Cup final since 1993. Stay tuned. All right, we're going to talk a little NHL now before we wrap up today's episode. Um, I want to talk about the Islanders series mostly. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I Look, you guys know I, I keep it all out in the open and honest with you guys here. I will be totally honest with you guys. I did briefly consider doing this Islanders thing full-time. I did. Uh, I was like, they got great colors. I love Nassau Coliseum. Pat Honan's an Islanders fan. Like, I, I, I felt like I had some good – I have been to, I actually have been to more Islanders games than Rangers games because if you'll remember when I did the first incarnation of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, I was still living at home, and I was bored all the time, and I would need something to do. So I went to a bunch of Islanders games. They were still playing in Brooklyn at the time, and tickets were extremely – Extremely cheap because nobody wanted to go to the Barclays Center. Nobody wanted to go over there so to watch hockey. It's a dump. For, it's, it's a great arena, but it's terrible for hockey. Uh, one time I got tickets for $2. Like, are you kidding me? Um, so I did. I will say, I, I just have to be honest. I did consider doing this Islanders thing full time. Uh, I figured it would be fine because I don't really like hockey. But then I just realized, like, I can't do that guys i really can't that would make me look like a huge fraud as we've already discussed on this podcast at one point in my life i have gone from the giants to the jets back to the giants again and i don't want to go through that again i don't want to have to buy all new team stuff and it would just make me look like a gigantic fraud which i don't want to do i don't want to look like a fraud that would just make me look terrible honestly um so I am still forever and always a Rangers fan. You have nothing to worry about, folks. To all the people who were concerned that I was going to become an Islanders fan full-time, you have nothing to worry about. I am Rangers for life. In fact, I am Yankees, Knicks, Giants, Rangers, in that order for life. YKGR, as I call it. Um, and Arsenal, too. By the way, I'm getting back into Arsenal, too. I'm, I, like, I think I'm over the anger of the Super League. Uh, I think I, uh, I, I, I've moved past it. Uh, they got fined a lot of money, and if it ever happens again, they're going to be punished even more. They're going to lose a ton of points. So I'm back on Arsenal. I still love soccer. Look, I love soccer, and I just couldn't have imagined myself only watching MLS for the rest of my life. That would have been brutal. So I am back on uh, my, my brief Islander period. Well, I will say I am still rooting for the Islanders this postseason. I want them to. I would like. They are probably my favorite team that is still left. So um, I would like them to um, to win the Stanley Cup. But um, I'm a Rangers fan. I am always a Rangers fan. YKGR for life, and um, and Arsenal for life. Come on, you Gunners as well. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, Islanders Tampa Bay series. It's been pretty wild. I'm trying to remember where we last left off. Uh, I actually, you know, I'm just going to go to game four, honestly. I'm going to go to game four. Uh, Tampa Bay won game three, uh, 2-1. They didn't even allow the Islanders to get a shot off in the last two minutes of the game, which was really impressive to me. Uh, and then game three was, or game four, excuse me, was crazy. Uh, the Islanders scored the first three goals of the game. Uh, that made it 3 nothing. I'll tell you the scoring summary. Bailey, Josh Bailey. Hey, Josh Bailey. Ooh. Ah, I want to know 
if you'll score that goal. He did score a goal, the first of the game in the second period to make it 1-0 Islanders. Matt Barzal made it 2-0 in the second period. And then Matt Martin got his first goal of the postseason, uh, made it 3-0. Then Tampa Bay scored two straight in the second period, and things got very nervy at Nassau Coliseum. You could kind of sense it just from watching the game, the nerves in that crowd. It was very stressful at times for Islanders fans in that game. Um, but mad scramble at the end of the game. Ryan Pollock out of nowhere. The Varlamov leaves his crease, and Ryan Pollock blocks and makes the save of the year for the Islanders. The defenseman, Ryan Pollock, blocks the shot, stops it from going in. Islanders win that game with time runs out on the clock. Islanders win 3-2 to two in a wild freaking game. Uh, and you're like, okay, that's great. Islanders probably have some momentum going into the Monday game, game five, right? They probably have like, an incredible you know, game on their home ice. Now they're going to Tampa. They got all the momentum in the world, right? Oh, my God. Islanders got destroyed on Monday. The Lightning put up a touchdown and a two-point conversion on the Lightning. Eight or on the Islanders. Eight nothing. Eight nothing. Oh my goodness, this was an ass kicking. Um, game wasn't even close. It was a blowout. Uh, I'm not even going into the scoring summary. I'll just tell you what. I'll just tell you how the scoring went. The Lightning scored third, three in the first period. Before I had even gotten home from work, the Islanders are or the Lightning already had a two nothing lead. They scored three in the first period. Three in the second period and two in the third period to make it 8 nothing. One of the biggest blowouts I've ever seen. I did not think the Islanders were going to bounce back strong from this at all. I thought they were done. I thought there's no way that they, after being embarrassed like this in Game 5, they were going to come back. Matt Barzal also almost got suspended for a cross-check in this game. Uh, he got ejected. Uh, this was just a disaster for the Islanders. A terrible, terrible game for them. And I don't I didn't think they were gonna come back strong. And in fact, let's get to game six now. They got off to a bad start in game six too. Uh, now I give the Coliseum crowd credit. They were still loud. I mean they're incredible. Uh, their fans are incredible. Um, but Braden Point scored again. If I'm not mistaken, that's like nine straight games with a goal for Braden Point now in the playoffs. And then Sorelli in the second period made it 2 nothing, and you're like, crap, Islander season's over. Islander season is done. Uh, no, no, Latin, our next chance for a championship might be in October, New York. Uh, but no, the Islanders answered back. Uh, Jordan Eberle uh, scored uh, to make it 2-1 in the – it says it's his 19th goal of the playoffs. That can't be right because there's no way he scored 19. That's not right, ESPN. But anyway um, – Eberle scored to make it 2-1 in the third period. And then uh, 11-16 into the third period, Scott Mayfield, Scotty Mayfield, as Islanders fans call him, scored the game-tying goal to make it 2-2. Barn is going nuts at that point. Place is going insane. Goes to overtime. And then a minute and eight seconds into overtime, Anthony Bavillier scores the game-winning goal for the Islanders, sending us to a game 7 Two nights. Woo, what a game. That game was awesome. Like the incre- I have never heard. We were, I was talking to Gershon, and we were talking about um, uh, what is the loudest moment we've ever heard at Nassau Coliseum. The loudest moment I had ever heard at Nassau Coliseum was in 2002 when Sean Bates scored a penalty goal in the playoffs against Toronto. The place was going nuts then. I think this might have topped it. 
I mean, the place was going apeshit. I mean, it was loud at Nassau Coliseum when Bavillier scored this goal. And who could blame him? Now, one thing I don't agree with, though, I have to say, as much as I love the noise and the cheering and the yes, yes, yes and all that, one thing I don't agree with, and I hate to be that guy, please don't throw things on the ice, especially bottles or cans and things like that. Stupid. Your team just won, okay? Your team just won. They didn't lose. They won. And yet they still, the Islanders fans, littered the Nassau Coliseum ice with beer cans and beer bottles and whatever they could get their hands on. Now, Alan, Alan Hahn, I've talked about him. He's, he's a host of Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio and KJZ as well. Uh, he is a huge Islanders fan. And he was saying, oh, the players loved it. The players, I don't think the players loved it at all. I think Cal Clutterbuck was actually knocking them out of the air because he was trying to avoid getting a hit. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Bavillier had to do his post-game interview in the tunnel so he didn't get potentially hit with bottles or anything. So I, I, I don't know. I know they were just trying to pay tribute to their team, but I was not a huge fan of that from the Islanders fans, I have to say. Um, but uh, the noise and everything, I absolutely love. Absolutely love the noise. Um, and so uh, Islanders win, force the game seven. I had something else. I had something else I wanted to say. Uh, I felt like I, I had something else I wanted to say about the fans. Um, oh yeah, I, look. Yeah, one of the reasons, another reason I'm rooting for the Islanders so hard in this playoffs is, yeah. I, look, I'm not a huge barstool guy, but Frankie Borelli. Oh my God, that dude is the biggest. Like he might honestly like the Yankees. Or might might like the Islanders more than I like the Yankees. He was crying when the Islanders won this game. He was crying. I, 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 that only sports can do that. Only sports can do that, folks. If this is the last game at Nassau Coliseum, that game six, it might be. Tampa Bay might win tonight and close the building down. If that is the last game at Nassau Coliseum, what a memory. I mean, it's hard to beat an overtime game-winning goal to force a game seven come back from 2-0 down like that that is incredible what a way to close out if that is the last hurrah at Nassau Coliseum I mean respect absolute respect uh and I'm excited for game seven tonight I can't really give you much of a scouting report honestly I mean these two teams know each other really well they played each other in the conference finals last year Tampa Bay won in six it could have been the same thing again Tampa Bay eliminated the Islanders in game six in overtime last year could have been the same thing again this year. The Islanders respond. We will see what happens. Barry Trotz has been in this situation before. He was down 3-2 to the Lightning in 2018 when he was the Capitals head coach and then won the next two games, including Game 7 in Tampa Bay. So Barry's done this before, okay? I I think he's got a chance. We'll see. I'm not going to give you a definitive prediction, but let's see if the Islanders can get to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Islanders have not been to the Stanley Cup Finals since 1983. 1983, when they were a dynasty. Those Islanders teams were incredible back in the 80s, folks. I mean, they were a legit dynasty. They won 18 straight playoff series. Arguably one of the best hockey teams ever. Period. So I'm excited for Game 7 tonight. We'll see if the Islanders can get to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1983, or if the Lightning can advance to their second straight Stanley Cup final. And finally, 
before we wrap up the hockey segment, uh, the goal, uh, the Canadians are moving on to the Stanley Cup Finals as well. Uh, they beat Vegas. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I thought Vegas was going to beat Montreal very easily in this series. In fact, we talked about it on Sports on the Hill when I was on them. Uh, I guess it was two weeks ago now we were talking about this series. And um, we were talking about how, um, what was it? Uh, Winnipeg swept Edmonton in the first round. And then the Canadians swept uh, Winnipeg in the second round. So we were talking, okay, maybe Vegas is going to sweep Montreal now. No, huge upset, honestly. Um, Montreal wins the series in six games. I I just feel like maybe Vegas didn't really see Montreal a whole lot this year and didn't really know what they were getting themselves into with this series. Um, I know they went back and forth on their goalies several times between Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. I believe it was Leonard last night who gave up the goal goal in overtime uh, that won the game. but either way, I think, no offense to Marc-Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard, but I think Montreal has the better goalie in the series. Uh, they've got, uh, it was Leonard. They've got Carey Price, who's still at his advanced age. He's been in the league for a long-ass time. Still really good. Um, Canadians won game six last night in overtime. I watched it with Adrian Rutherford, who's obviously a huge hockey fan, um, and he was psyched. Uh, he was he was stoked, honestly. He was He's Canadian, so he's stoked to see a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Canada has actually not won the Stanley Cup since 1993, when Montreal won their last Stanley Cup. Uh, they've been to the finals several times. I can tell you for a fact the Vancouver Canucks got to the finals in 1994, lost to the Rangers. But... Um, yeah, I, th- let's see if Canada can end their Stanley Cup drought. Uh, it's not been all bad for Canada. They've gone two gold medals since then, or maybe uh, maybe even three gold medals since then. So um, Canada's still good at hockey. They're just not. Their teams just haven't been Stanley Cup winners. So um, the winner, who Letkinen, I think his name is, scores the game-winning goal for Montreal. All I can say before um, we wrap up this hockey segment is I hope. I know Canada is doing very bad with the vaccine. Uh, Mike and I actually have a friend who lives in Canada, and she was saying that, or not a friend, Evelyn. You guys know Evelyn. I've shouted out her podcast several times down the rabbit hole. Uh, Evelyn lives in Canada, and they've been saying that you know it's been a real struggle getting the vaccine in Canada. So go listen to down the rabbit hole also, and uh, Evelyn's awesome. Um, but you know, they've been saying how it's just hard. And so um, the streets in Montreal are packed. They were showing it. Um, during the game, they're having like watch parties, kind of like how the Raptors have watch parties during playoff games as well on the streets of Toronto. Um, so, but they're not really letting. I think they're only letting like three or four thousand people into the arena, which is I don't know, kind of dumb. If you're letting all these people party in the streets, let them into the arena. I mean, come on, guys. Um, I'm glad they opened up the border. I was concerned that they wouldn't do that in time, uh, and now they're going to have to leave it open a little bit because we got a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is another interesting thing. I was actually talking to Adrian about this, too, is that um, uh, this is going to be the first time probably since the original six that we've had two Eastern Conference, traditionally Eastern Conference teams in the Stanley Cup Finals because Montreal um, is obviously, they've been in the East, you know, their whole time. They actually got awarded, Adrian was shocked last night, they got awarded the Western Conference Trophy instead of the Eastern Conference Trophy and um, 
So they'll be technically representing the West, I guess, this uh, this Stanley Cup Finals. But whoever they play is going to be an East Coast team as well. Whether they play the Islanders or whether they play Tampa Bay, it's going to be an East Coast team as well. So uh, I think this is going to be an interesting matchup no matter who it is. Uh, I'll be watching no matter what. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the Stanley Cup Finals uh, as well. And hopefully the Islanders will be in it. I would like a New York team to be in it. Uh, you guys know I don't really care a whole lot about hockey, but uh, I do – Hope the Islanders do make the Stanley Cup Finals, and uh, we'll see if they play Montreal. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say uh, about the NHL. I'm going to wrap up this episode in just a second. All right, just a couple last-minute things here uh, before we wrap up today's episode. Uh, I forgot to mention during the NBA segment, it appears the Dallas Mavericks are going to be hiring Jason Kidd as their next head coach. Um, I forgot about that. Mike mentioned that last night, and I totally forgot. I apologize. Um, you know, I'm not the I'm the I'm not totally sold on Jason Kidd as a head coach. We've seen it with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. wasn't great at either stint, I would say. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that, and but I, I have a feeling he'll kind of let Luka do whatever he wants. And we'll see about KP, too. Um, KP, of course, um, a lot of questions about him. I mean, why wouldn't there be? He's a soft little punk. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I, I know Jason Kidd's been rumored for a lot of head coaching jobs for a while. I know Portland was interested. He said he wasn't interested in the Portland job. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Jason Kidd will be uh, a good um, a good fit. Uh, we'll see. I, Dallas has a lot of work to do. It sounds like everything was fractured in Dallas. Obviously, with Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson leaving, now possibly Porzingis also leaving as well. Um, Mike and I were also talking about that as well. Like Maybe the Mavericks should just keep Porzingis because who would really want to trade for him? I mean, what value does he really have? I don't think he's that good. I mean, he's, he's proven it in the last couple of years that he's been in Dallas and he's really not that great of a player um one other thing uh there was a no hitter last night in Major League Baseball uh Cubs had four pitchers combined for a no hitter against the LA Dodgers four nothing on Thursday night it is the seventh no hitter in baseball this season the most ever before July 1st and tied for the most in the season since 1900 when the modern era began I believe that's also the first since Kluber's no-hitter in Texas about a month or so ago. Uh, so, yeah, um, another no-hitter. Honestly, we, we were actually watching this game uh, at Robbie's house last night, but I, I turned it off. And went to, I didn't realize there was a no-hitter going on. If, the, if I did, I would have stayed up and watched it. But uh, we turned it off, so congratulations to the Chicago Cubs on throwing the seventh no-hitter um, in of, of the season this year. Uh, Zach Davies was the starter for the Cubs. Uh, for the most part, he went six innings of work. Uh, he didn't even realize the Dodgers were hitless. I'm reading a quote now. The whole bullpen had no idea from lefty Andrew Chafin. It was completely oblivious. In our defense from that bullpen, our perspective on the field, all we can see is like batting averages and the count and stuff like that. So none of the, the, none of the guys had no idea. In fact, I saw the last out. Craig Kimbrell looked like he was just like a normal out. He had no idea. He was like smiling. He was like, oh, wait, we threw a no-hitter? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um but, yeah, so congratulations to them on their no-hitter. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I really need to talk about uh, this season. Oh, one, one other story from that game I thought was really nice was uh, Jock Peterson uh, and uh, his brother uh, were both given World Series rings by the Dodgers, which I thought was really cool. Uh, 
I believe his brother is autistic, which I, is really nice that the Dodgers would think of him and give him a ring like that. Um, so really cool the Dodgers to do that, to give a former player and a former player's brother a ring like that. And it shows you how much they love Jock, and uh, good for them. All right, folks, I think that just about does it for today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Oh, also, Tour de France starts this weekend. Pat Honan wanted me to mention that. I'm not into that at all. I, I mean, I'm that's not not into that at all. But anyway, Pat Honan said it's happening this weekend, so I'll give it a brief shout-out on this episode. I couldn't tell you the first thing about that. But um, Pat probably can, so if you have any questions, I will refer you to Pat Honan, the unofficial associate producer of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. And that just about does it for today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Thank you to uh, Pike and Rose for letting me record outside today. Uh, Really nice day. I'm about to go for a nice long walk. Uh, And yeah, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter at BBry1991. Follow me personally on Instagram at BBry1991. I'm BBry1991 everywhere. So uh, if you you need to find me, that's usually where to look up. So uh, thank you for listening to today's episode, folks. And I'll talk to you next time.